you've taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a journey from the Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin and Anna. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a chronological journey from the Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker, one moment at a time. I'm Calvin. I've seen a lot of Star Wars. I'm Anna. I've seen a little bit of Star Wars. And I'm Wyatt, and I watched all the Star Wars for Star Wars Day. All yeah, we are. Star Wars. We are recording this episode very, very ahead of when we are actually posting it. This is this episode is being recorded on Star Wars Day, May the fourth. May the fourth. Although this will probably be what July, August by the time this one is yeah. finished, released. Yeah, because oh, you well. know, you know what you think of when you think Star Wars. It's time travel. Woo! It's the famous time travel franchise. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this week we watched a few episodes from season two. We watched Grievous Intrigue, in which General Grievous ca- captures, kidnaps a Jedi. What's his name? I forget. Ethkoth. Oh, shoot. Yes. Ethkoth. Yeah. Ethkoth. And, and Obi-Wan and Anakin and Adagalia attempt to rescue him until General Grievous's ship crashes on a, pl- a planet in the deserter. And we meet the deserter. And then we get one of the greatest Ahsoka Learns episodes of all time in Lightsaber Lost. And then one of my favorite arcs, the introduction to Mandalore arc, where we meet Satine. Yes, 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 yes. So much to talk about. So do, do we just hop in? Just, yeah. Let's just take a little, let's go on a little journey. Grievous intrigue. Fun. Anyway, of- we, we had a conversation literally right before recording where we were like, well... Let's rush through this one. Wyatt, what do you got for a Grievous Intrigue? uh, I really like the space battle stuff. In the early seasons of Clone Wars, they're more akin to devote an entire episode to, to like, a a space battle. Uh, When I noticed in the later seasons, we'll see that they kind of rush through them because they did it all in in season two. But I think that I like the plan. I think there's a lot of good character moments in this episode for our main characters, including Grievous, who is a schmuck, but immediately susses out that Obi-Wan is the decoy. Mm-hmm. Um, which I want to I want to give some credit to my man Grievous. It's a good for, Grievous villain showcase episode. Yeah, yes, he does absolutely. some. He's actually competent for once. I think this is the first time he does the forearms thing, but I'm not um, sure. I think he I did think, it I in Lair of Grievous. Before. Yeah, because he had his legs. Oh, out, so that's he was, true. Like, I just there's a. I'll, I'll find it. The, the preview image that they use for this episode way back in the day, like in media stuff, looks like Obi-Wan is being, it's a hilarious, looks like Obi-Wan and Grievous are doing a dance. Um, <laughs> Obi-Wan is like full back because they take it like mid lightsaber dodge and Grievous' forearm splayed. It's honestly quite graceful, but I really like this two-parter. It's, it's, it's a very closely linked two-parter. It's one of those where it literally end of one episode into the other, even though they're about to... Spe- they, they switch sort of... They switch character groups where Deserter brings the clones in when the only... Commander Cody gets some action and, and Rex is there. But other than that, we've got the sort of... We got the generics in Grievous Intrigue. I noticed while watching it this time that I think this is the first time they've really updated their, like, 
special effects rig. The yes. cruiser, the cruiser explosion at the end is the first time I think that they've done like large scale fire on the show. They they make the smoke so. orange for most of season one. Uh, I was gonna say it was the first time, but they barbecued those Geonosians a couple <laughs> episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, which was very fiery. But it's Joel Aaron is the lighting supervisor. He's worked for Lucasfilm Animation for the whole time it's been there. Is one of the guys responsible for like the look of it. And I've read a lot of interviews with him, and it's it's always cool to me when I notice like oh they're figure they they. They're figuring it out because they invented pretty much everything from the ground up for Clone Wars. They didn't have any existing animation anything because Lucasfilm Animation didn't exist before Clone Wars. So it's cool seeing the work they do look really cool. I was wondering in that episode why the ship is like so on fire, but they're in the lower atmosphere. Yeah. So even for like BS Star Wars, they'll have smoke and fire in space. Like it was, I think they're in the lower atmosphere. No, not um, lower atmosphere, upper atmosphere. Mm-hmm. What am I talking about? Th- there was some really, I sorry, just going back to the like gotcha moment. I don't know. There's just so many like good one-liners in this and lots of just, I think there was a moment, I think it was this episode, but maybe I'm wrong, where they went like, oh, where Obi-Wan is, like, you'll always find Skywalker. Yeah, that was, was Grievous like, is like, I, I'm not falling for this man's, uh, I'm not falling for Obi-Wan trying to bait me. I I know his idiot son is around somewhere. I know. I thought that was so funny. And it's it's really, like, it's interesting to me that, like, weirdly, the Jedi always have Obi-Wan and Anakin working together, which I guess is just, like, war stuff. But it's cool. I mean, it's, it's cool. out of universe, it's because they're... Sorry, what? They have chemistry. Yeah, well, in out of universe, it's because they're our main characters. Yeah. But also... I think the Jedi, especially this early, they have Obi-Wan is still babysitting Anakin. Yeah. Like, they're like that man does some wild shit, and we've given him a feral teenager. We need at least one real adult to go along with them, because Rex is 10 years old in real that life. That's a good point. I forget the clones are 10. Ahsoka is older than all the clones, which I think is funny that that is not what she tries to pull on Rex at the very beginning. She's like, I outrank you. She could have just said, I'm older than you, and pulled older siblings rights for the whole show. True. Uh, that actually would have been really funny. What a missed opportunity. Speaking of Rex, this is, I think, I, I might go out on a limb and say it, I think this is the best all-time Rex episode. The Deserter. Uh, the Deserter was phenomenal. I was like, oh, nobody told me about this episode. I was like, this episode? We've been episode? waiting for you to watch this episode. Calvin and I have been making, like, moon eyes at each other every time you bring up clones in the Zoom for, like, every single discussion, and we, we've got two Two, like, things we've been thinking of. This is one of them. We've been waiting so long for you to get to Deserter. I was, I I was watching it, and it was like, I was doing other things. I think I was, like, doing my makeup or something as I was watching Clone Wars, and then I saw this man, and I was like, oh, pause. Pause right there. We have to go back. And I, like, literally sat, and, like, my eyes were, rewatched the entire episode. My eyes just glued to the screen. Um, But I did, I, I had a feeling that this was coming up. I mean, obviously, the name of the episode is The Deserter, which kind of implies stuff. But when I saw the sun, because there's that moment where they go up to, like, the farmer, and they're like, hey, yeah. ma'am. Hey, you look like my daddy. Yeah, yeah, they were like, you look like my daddy. And I was like, oh, that is sus. That is super sus. Because, like. Why'd they have to twi- make the Twi'lek? 
like mom's so hot. Okay, also, yes, I was literally like, <laughs> it's, it's milk. It's George Lucas sexualized Twilight's in like everything yes. else. But this, but she has a really big gun and is hot. She has a big gun. And I, yeah. I was so, yeah, I didn't want to like, I didn't want Star Wars to turn me into an alien fucker, but <laughs> we are. <laughs> I also, it since we, like, sort of laughed about it earlier, I do laugh every time we run into a new Twi'lek, and it's just the strongest French accent you've ever heard. Oh, I know! I was like, this is so... Uh, that You have to just pretend it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> you just gotta pretend it's not happening. Yeah, no, I, it's such a... Because I was... The comp- didn't have an accent, sorry. But, like, the kids... No, because the, the explanation for that I would think of is that she was born on Ryloth, and the kids weren't, yeah. so... They they grew up around, I guess, the other farmers of Seleucami, who we never see, but I think who do exist in canon and talk normal. Um, accents. But I so I was confused. Me. Yeah, they're the accents. they're they. If you think about it too hard, your brain explodes. There's no consistency with accents. Um, they have to be it gets it, it gets worse. Well, the clones imply that accents are genetic because uh, they all talk. Yeah. They all talk. That's true. In in D Baker's well, yeah, mediocre think, New Zealand accent. You know, it's why Ayla still has her French accent, even though she was born in the her race. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, well, fuck. Fucking what? It's okay. so weird. Okay. Um, no, we can't talk about this anymore. But, so I was, yeah, I told you, your brains will explode. Last last time we recorded, I was complaining about how the Clone Wars never lets you have a quiet moment, and I love that this episode benches Rex, makes him go to dinner and entertain the kids before the big sort of defend the family scene. Something that I thought was really interesting was listening to the deserter talking about his reasons for leaving, right? And that stuff I can totally understand, right? Like, that's what I've been saying all this time is like, why don't they just leave? And I love that he was like, I was exercising my right to choose or something along those lines. But it was really interesting to me to hear what Rex's explanation was for wanting to stay with the clones, you know, for yes, why agreed he, he loves this life, like why he, you know, lives this life but also we got to learn a little bit more about the clones you know we got to learn that this is against the rules which i think has been kind of implied but no one has explicitly said like the clones can only be in the army and that's it like they and and so this has confirmed my suspicions that they are slaves that this is slavery they do not have a choice they cannot go live their own lives they have to fight for the republic and um even though we already knew that, but it's like, I don't think they explicitly said it until now. No. Attack of the Clones sort of makes mention that clone armies have existed before, but never this big. So yeah. it is really unprecedented in Star Wars galactic history. Yes. And they do sort of run it, uh, basically everything, in, unless it's specifically like something special because it's in space. The clone, like the army stuff in Star Wars basically runs on like U.S. Army rules. So that's yeah. where we get like the deserter stuff and <laughs> throw them in the brig. I, I don't know. I don't remember if anybody gets court-martialed in this show, but it, I think it is threatened at times. But, yeah, but, but I, it, I, I, sorry. No, no, no. You talk, you talk. You talk. Well, I, I just, I had not seen this episode in a while. It sticks out because it's a really memorable Clone Wars episode, but I, I probably hadn't seen this since I was like a young teenager rewatching some episodes. And I, because I, I don't like Slick's sort of traitor arc from Hidden Enemy as much as I like this, because I think it's way less interesting to make a clone turn traitor and go work for the bad guys than just, he just, cut just leaves the army, gets married, 
and settles down on a farm. Yeah. And because because Slick is still fighting the war. Um, yeah, well, Slick is. I mean, if we're supposed to believe that the Republic are the good guys and yeah. the, the and the Separatists are the bad guys, like Slick joined the bad guys, and that automatically makes him a bad guy. And it and it also associates this idea of leaving, you know, of of clones choosing any other life as being a bad thing. And yeah. I, what this episode introduces is that it doesn't have to be. Like, it can be a a really good thing, and like it can, you know, obviously he has this really beautiful life on this farm. Um, well, and that's what I liked about it because Rex and Cody's reactions are so strong to Slick in that episode they're like Mm -hmm. appalled and it's also clearly much earlier in the war. Yes. Chronicling the passage of time in Clone Wars is a lost cause that I have spent way too much time thinking about but it's probably been close to a year since that because Ahsoka's been here a while um, and that was pre-Ahsoka. Speaking of chronicling the passage of time in canon those are not Cut's kids he, he adopted them. Oh, really? I was wondering why yeah. they were so old. Because cause the older one, the girl, is probably seven, and yeah. the kid is, the, the, the boy is like four or five. I have um, chalked it up to him just passing on the fast aging gene that he got. That is a good oh. point that is smarter than the canon explanation, so I've now accepted that. Because um, really they are, the weird thing is, is that they are canon human twilight hybrids which you can see in their coloring and and they are not but they're not his kids so i have always found that interesting and well, the, it the, i just want them to ditch the three the war being three years long so bad I, it's i think the 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 thing that drives me most nuts about like sticking to the old to sticking to anything older mm-hmm. i feel like I don't know. The kids, the son looked like him, though, right? Like, when I saw the son, I was like, that is the kid of a clone. So kind of weird that they were like, no, this is just an adopted child, but... Yeah. Well, and it doesn't, like, it's it's one of those word of God things. So, like, I honestly think it, in my head, probably the war lasts five years. Calvin's right. It's accelerated aging, and they can be Cuts kids. But it's such a, it's, it's not a huge detail, but it is like a, I think it works either way because I kind of love that cut which he like chooses them even further like the, it's the found family is even yeah. the found family hits even harder if they're not biologically his kids because he loves them so much yeah i mean he literally was like i will fight for them you know and yeah ouch yeah it was just really it was probably my favorite episode i mean i don't think that's surprising but it was really heartbreaking and at the same time, thinking about the fact that all the clones should be able to have this, you know, all of them should be able to live, you know, fulfilling lives because they're people. They're just normal Rex, people. Yeah, who is it? Is it Rex or Cut who says that they're not even meant to have children when he's like, I'm Cut says that and your children. And I think, yeah. And and that actually is a really interesting thing because that's a Star Wars thing, not a real army thing. Like, yeah. That's a, that's a, and that, I don't know if we've, uh, the Kaminoans, the Kaminoans talk like this in Attack of the Clones, and they do, I think, I think they talk about it in Clone Wars, and I can't remember where, but that they're like, the clones are like intellectual property. Yes, Um, yes. Yeah. Like, beyond the fact that they're literal property, like, they, the, the, the genome of Jango Fett is Kaminoan property. So they are like controlling it. So they don't want clones having kids. Yeah. And well, that's that, that was my point earlier is like not, it's not even the fact that he deserted the army that I think is like super crazy. It's the fact that you're not allowed to have a family, you know? Cause like, obviously if you're fighting in a war, you're not supposed to leave 
You're not supposed to just go. But like the fact Well, I think that, it's interesting. Yeah. Sorry, go. I don't know. The fact that you can't have you can't get married, like you can't have a family is insane and it and it really um it makes me hate the republic. <laughs> well, so the interesting hate. thing about that though is that their leaders also can't get married. Like they they are being led by the, the Jedi. The Jedi, yeah. The the kings of not getting married. And so it's an interesting thing where like the clones I'm not sure even Cut knew there was any other way until he was out of the army. And, like, it makes it clear that Cut's di- Cut didn't run away in the middle of a battle. He was going to get executed, so he, he booked it. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even... He didn't... All he, His desertion was not reporting back after he escaped, presumably being like, well, now this is, this is screwed up. I don't want to do that. And then finding sort of his life's purpose. I will say also... As we're talking about the clones as people, we get some regulars introduced in this episode of recurring clones, which I'm excited about because I've been waiting for these guys. The guys that are with Rex on the speeders will mm-hmm. become recurring characters. I actually, one of them, Hardcase, who has the most complicated armor markings and was hard to see, I did not know he came into the show this early, so I'm, I'm happy about that. The Doctor one was very cool. I, I can't remember who, like, the name. Yeah, but his the name one is that was Kix. Like, yeah, and when he was like, well, actually, Rex... As medic, I outrank you. Yeah, this um, is Rex sort of. This is karma for his experience outranks everything to Ahsoka back in the back in the movie. I also just another fun animation thing. I like that they animated the clones out of their armor uh, for both Cut and Rex, and they are jacked as hell. I also. And another good detail is that they like Rex. They let Rex's wound get shown, like he's his he's got a mark in his back, um, even though they cover the one in the front. Yeah, every everything was good. Everything also, about this also I know was good. I know this is probably a war crime, but Grievous mistreating his droids the whole way was so funny. <laughs> I know I forgot about that, but that was actually very when they kept be, like powering down. Like I, I feel like, like it's sort of similar to the. Uh, the Brian David Gilbert Mario is a war criminal video where you, you really shouldn't think about it, but it's really funny when Grievous is just like, uh, just figure it out. I don't need to recharge. Yeah, yeah. they are droids after they're not using pieces of metal. It's And it's one of the only times it ever happens in Clone Wars because they're always like, sort of, there is a separatist base and a Republic base and they're doing war. Um, so it, it's, I don't know, there was a lot of fun little touches as well. I love how mad Obi-Wan gets when Grievous escapes. Um, because he's he has had a really long, really bad day. If if we assume that it's literally on the same day as the previous episode, and I I like moments when Obi. Speaking of moments when Obi Wan is human, we'll get to that in the Mandalore episodes. I know I was gonna say Obi Wan had a lot of stuff going on in these uh, in yeah. this group of episodes. Because he's often he's often like voice of reason guy to Anakin running off YOLOing it. And so I like that he's like he got he got some more personal moments in these in these episodes. Okay. So let's talk about Lightsaber Lost real quick. Cause that was a that was also a good episode. I feel bad because I feel like it's kind of wedged in between two absolutely just amazing, amazing moments in Clone Wars, but Lightsaber Lost was pretty good. I didn't like it as a kid, but that's because I hated fun. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I didn't like Ahsoka yet, which is a which is a knock on me. But just a fact, Calvin. Yeah, I, mean, Ahsoka's, I Ahsoka's still pretty hateable. At this point. Not hateable. It's funny too because I know She's I like like I loved Storm over Ryloth as a kid, and not just because and not just because of like the space battle stuff. I knew it was a great Ahsoka episode, but I wasn't completely sold on her yet. And they had just they had just run the Geonosis like 
eight-parter or whatever it was, and then those two episodes in a row. So Lightsaber Lost felt like a little bit of a letdown. But taken in the context of, like, this early season stuff where we're watching Ahsoka learn from different Jedi, this was... This was this might be the best and most random Jedi of the week. I love that old fucker. He was just I love the the whole like slow and steady wins the race. I was like, period, grandpa. Patience. Patience. I love his little go-kart speeder. Especially because they use the same model as the regular. Like, that's the speeder that uh, Rex and Jesse and the guys were using in The Deserter, which means it can go about 200 miles an hour. And he's yep. just like, I'm gonna put it in neutral and go forward. <laughs> With all the other, um, all the other ones just, like, racing around it. It was, it was fun. I, I also loved our little, um, sexy girl aliens, our... They're canon, they're, they're canon as a couple, by the really? way. Really? Are they? They're lesbians? Yeah, Pablo oh. Hidalgo confirmed this after the fact. It was written, and I'm gonna give full credit to the Clone Wars crew, they wrote it like that back in the day, because they're, it's sort of the, it's like Bound, the Wachowskis film, where, like, they, they kill that guy's boyfriend, or one of them's mm-hmm. boyfriend at the very beginning, um, and then escape together. That was supposed to be the whole thing, but they nicked Ahsoka's lightsaber, and that's what got him in trouble. Oh, I wish they had kids. But yeah, they're, they're gay. Yay. They're also in jail. Yay, 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 yay. Yeah, I don't gay care that gay. they're in jail. Jail. Yay for gay. I'm going to cosplay them now. So. Ah. I don't care. Lightsabers are cool, and I would steal one if I were. Well, and it's, it's so funny, too, because Clone Wars just will use awesome designs like those two just as, like, random side characters. This is what happens when George Lucas is like, all right, you have access to my personal bank account. Make this awesome. And then they just keep doing stuff that no other animated show does. I know. Budget? I, I, never heard of her. <laughs> never heard of her. I love, I, I really do love that, and that they, um, that is one thing, is they, they really take the time to make all the side characters interesting like even if they're only in one episode like it's a grand star wars tradition of making at at the very least cool looking side characters and then and clone wars yeah and then then you just with clone wars it's so random about who will show up you can never really predict who's going to show up again because people end up being recurring characters where like you know i wouldn't really have predicted that one and then some cool people are just in one episode do something really intriguing seemingly set up for a first their story and then they never are seen again i like that keeps you on your toes yeah this is a good this is a good episode i feel like if i were to pick something out of everything that we've watched to like show someone and be like this is what star wars is without needing any context i would probably show them this episode like i remember thinking that like i could show my sister this episode and even though like the main characters aren't even in it i'd be like this is the essence of star wars the like fun side of it the like anytime Um, jedi teach anytime they do actual jedi teaching it's awesome i love it every time um also yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So how about that image of Ahsoka clinging on to the Palpatine billboard? Like, that was good for me. I don't know. That was so... Well, first of all, he was talking about, like, oh, these accusations and, like, all of this political stuff. And I don't know. It just really, like... It was interesting to see Palpatine outside in, in, like, how he would talk to the citizens versus how he talks to the Senate or the Jedi. 
Yeah, um, it's, it's essentially Joe Biden just giving a press conference and then they streamed it on the giant billboard. And that's I, sort of the funny thing is that like we interact with characters who interact with Palpatine, like they're on speaking terms. But he is just sort of basically the president of the United States to everyone else. Like he's just sort of a figure in your television or your giant billboard. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, it's like, oh, wow, he is really influential. Then, but also that image of Ahsoka hanging on, but then also falling, you know? And it, it was just really symbolic of what is to come. It's also just a great gremlin Ahsoka. I don't have time for politics. I need my lightsaber back. I know. Didn't even care what he was saying. She was just like, YOLO. I love Ahsoka. Um, she's so, she's, she's such an idiot. I love her. She's, she's such an idiot. Oh my God. Yeah. This this poor old Jedi is like 300 years old and trying to teach her patience like she's five. They let her command soldiers. I know. <laughs> I know. Like, she's killed. Like, she's a killer. When you think about it. Well, I Who guess she she's kill? killed droids. I guess she kills droids. And like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, so droids Ahsoka, are, you know, Ahsoka gets in the book eventually, but I can't remember who she kills first. Oh, actually, no, I can. I think. Don't tell me. No, obviously. but I think I... Privately chat you. Is it the time? Do not, I won't, I don't, don't, I don't want to see it. It's a direct message. Okay, I'm going to move on to the Mandalore plot. Yeah. Oh my god. So I know that I was, I've been Team Padme this whole time, and I don't want it to sound like I'm switching favorites. Like I no longer. Should I stop talking? Is that, I don't know if I should wait. I'll just go. I'll just go. Just keep going. So, yes, I am Team Padme all the way, but Satine. Oh my goodness. Um, Love her. Love her. Love her. Everything she does, everything she is. This is the thing. Like, she's definitely the politician that I would be backing if I were in Star Wars. Like, I love that she's neutral and that she's very intent on staying that way. I love that she, how she talks to Obi-Wan. Her and Obi-Wan's whole history was very spicy, very juicy. I would love some more on that. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I love um, when Anakin learns it and is like, ah, so you have lost the moral high ground here, and I am going to be an asshole about this for an entire episode. But it's it's funny, but it's also interesting because Obi-Wan and Anakin are so similar. Like, I, I know that we tend to be like, well, they're different, but but they're they're really the same, except that in their choices, Obi-Wan always makes the Jedi choice and Anakin will make the Anakin choice, I guess. Yeah. But other than that, but they but they struggle with the same things and they they still have that like like internal I guess it, I, I want to say they just they they both have the Qui-Gon in them, you know? They both yeah. have In in Star Wars Legends in the old expanded universe, Qui-Gon also had a secret uh or not so secret. He had like an affair with a Jedi as well. Um and so in the old they, it's funny because it's supposed to be quite rare, and yet everybody's doing it always. All of our relevant Jedi are always fall, falling in love, which I always find quite funny. But in canon, we don't know if that happened. But it is something that, like the sort that sort of re, that sort of rebellious streak, and it, it sounds like it happened to Obi Wan and Anakin at the same age, roughly, and then Anakin mm-hmm. just got married like an idiot. Yeah, like an um, idiot. Who gets married at nineteen? Well, obviously Anakin. I don't know. It was just 
so I'm going to just talk about these next three episodes instead of just, just focus, focusing on one at a time. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like they all flow right thing. together. We've hit, like, the, we've hit the point where it's a, it's a, it's a three-parter. Yeah, they're yeah, they're still telling, like, ostensibly separate stories. The only way you can tell them apart is that the middle episode was uh, produced first, and the only way you can tell that is because Pre Vizsla, the Mandalorian Death Watch leader, hadn't finished his model yet, so that's why he's covered in the cape and the hologram, because he's just wearing clone trooper armor, uh, and you can see, like, a little bit of the the shoulder bit for the Clone Wars, they'd only managed to get the helmet done by the time they made that that episode. So, whereas in funny. in the first one, he's like got his whole full suit and the dark saber. Yeah, dark saber. I, I thought that this there, there's a lot going on in these episodes. I was really interested in you know just the Mandalorians. I mean, obviously because there is the show, and so it was exciting because I'm like, oh great, like we're finally learning something about these people. It's so yeah. funny to run into this Mandalore after watching The Mandalorian and some of the later stuff that they've made with, uh, like, in Star Wars Rebels, has Mandalorians as well. Whereas a couple funny things about this back from back in the day. This episode, this, this stuff was rich history. highly controversial when it came out because in the old EU, there was a very specific way they did Mandalorians as a warrior culture, which this episodes talk about, but they, they mention that like the, the new Mandalorians are very pacifistic and peaceful and everything's a cube it's and everyone's so, Nordic. You know, figurehead of that. And while, while further Mandalorian-based stories will make it clear that that's not it's not representative of everyone on Mandalore. It's even made clear in this with the Death Watch folks. But so there was a very vocal, like old EU styled Mandalorian fan base that was super pissed with these episodes. And I just think it's funny because then the a lot of the other Mandalorian stuff has gone back to the uh, the armored warrior culture as at least being part of their history. Whereas George Lucas was like, fuck that in about 2009 and did this. The other thing people lost their minds over was the Darksaber. Nerds are idiots. That thing is cool. It looks I think cool. It's so cool. The fact that I it's was... the fact that the white and black are, are reversed, like it's it, let it be cool. It's a sword. I, Why is I it a sword? Nobody cries. cares. It's so awesome. It's because it's Mandalorian. Mandalorians just make weapons better. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, a, that's no, a good point. It, didn't he say that he? Oh, it's a Beskar hilt, isn't it? It's like it's yeah. I, that, I mean, that's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Like no, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming it's Beskar. I Beskar is yeah. a super metal. Beskar is just Mandalorian iron. It's what they make their armor out of. It's super strong yeah. but uh the dark saber the dark saber. No, don't I, google the I, dark saber i wasn't i wasn't i i was looking up oh, yeah, the no. episode i don't know didn't they say that they found it somewhere they like got yeah it so from a... oh so yeah yeah calvin and i are cheating because we know later backstory um yeah, was like, it was um, a so the guy who made it was a mandalorian jedi I see. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, because I was like, they said that this was a Jedi. Um, yeah, they looted it from the Jedi, but then we find out later it was all... They looted it from the Jedi because it was a Mandalorian weapon. It was, okay, well... Yeah. No, no you're... Mandalorians have a very... It's a very, like, familial passing down from a parent to child of the armor and stuff like that. Yeah. The hilarious thing is that uh, it's it's a it's li- literally not gonna... this. We're telling you this because it'll be... It's like back-backstory. It happened hundreds of years ago, and it's just a story story told in a later episode but it does imply that the mandalorians got really mad because they put this lightsaber in the library mm-hmm. instead of like they put it in the like they gave it a pedestal and was like that's neat and the mandalorians were like all right this is cause for a blood feud uh, but back uh, to this uh Back to these relevant episodes. Something that I think is cool, and this is sort of like why it is interesting to be watching this in chronological order, is is just the fact that like 
I guess the Mandalorians are seen as violent people, or I, I don't know. Like, I only know this Mandalore. Yeah. I only know mm-hmm. these Mandalorians. I only well, we know, know one the other Mandalorian, so, two other Mandalorians so far, which is Jango and Boba. Yes. Yeah, but even then, it's like, well, I don't. Well, but even Boba then, the Mandalorians even of like, well, well, yeah, so I mean, Almac, the, the, the prime minister, the prime minister is a huge dick about Jango Fett in the beginning of the episode. He just like calls him a he calls him a commoner basically, and is like he probably mm-hmm. stole that armor. And I think that's that that that's the most interesting part about this the this Mandalore for me is that they like they're so reticent to like they like they tried they try to do a good thing and like change and become neutral and become ambassadors of peace in the galaxy but they're so touchy about their history i don't think it was meant to be topical but it like feels very it feels very like if it, if America somehow like w- did a similar like thing where they would be like, no, uh, this wasn't us. We weren't that anyone with our anyone with our gear, our who's like saying that they're doing this in the name of America or Mandalore in this case. They're they're not with us. They stole the armor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of like, okay, like I'm going to make a weird comparison here, but stay with me. It makes sense. But we can cut it out of the podcast, so I'm saying that now so you can think it took okay. it out of the podcast. But like, Nazi Germany happened, and then Germany, Germany, and Germany, Germany that we know today. Well, is there were two actually, Germanys, notably. Yes, but I'm, ta- I'm talking about art, like, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Now is actually like successful in what I think Mandalore is trying to do. They actively yes. are, are peaceful and are trying to like now this should get left in the podcast this is a good comparison um, yes okay be- but the thing is is, is it, they've been successful because they want to be peaceful and they want to do all this stuff but the reason they're successful is that they are able to claim their history they're able to say like what we did was wrong and that is not okay and that totally was on us you know what i mean yeah I think Mandalore in these, like, goes a little, like, Satine's galactic peace strategy, I think, is very, mm-hmm. I agree with you, that, like, I, is probably where I would end up politically aligned in the Clone Wars if I was yeah. a voting member of the of the Star Wars galaxy. But I think they, like, sort of refuse to take the threat seriously a little bit of the Death Watch, yeah. where I think, because, like, Germany's still got neo-Nazis. Exactly. Um, they're just yeah. They're just really mad about them um, in a way that I think Mandalore would rather forget, like, would rather sort of sweep it all under the rug, and then it got pretty crazy in the middle, in, like, the last two episodes, and then they couldn't. I do also iconic Clone Wars moment when Anakin just straight up mercs that guy in the middle of a moral dilemma. Yeah. He's like, what? He was gonna kill him. He was gonna it's like, explode, blow up the shit. Who will be a cold-blooded murderer? It's Anakin out of nowhere. <laughs> dun, 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 yeah, and then the uh, subtlety hammer with the music again. Well, but know. And Obi-Wan's just, uh, I, I, I really like applaud James Arnold Taylor's, Taylor's voice acting there when he's just like, Anakin. Yeah, he, well, he's figured out his Obi-Wan voice where it's a little exaggerated in the early stuff but uh he's like i don't know everything's getting good they're actually like doing emotions really well now and they haven't figured out the faces yet entirely i noticed that i noticed that in the deserter episode is that i think cut had a different face model for than or a different definitely a manipulated one versus rex who is still i think rocking his season one face because they update the clones a little bit every time I think they had to do it for cut because they gave him a receding hairline yeah. and it changed like how they were lighting him. I was, I, it cracked me up because I forgot about that. I'm like, man, time was not really, really not kind to you cut. Like it's, you're like, you are 11 years old. You should not be going <laughs> bald. But I, it also like, it increased the level of dad that he was. Cause he is, he is probably the most dad looking clone we've seen.
seen so far with yeah, the sleeveless shirt and the and the receding hairline. Speaking of the animation, something that I thought was pretty funny is in one of these Mandalore episodes, they just fully show Palpatine as bad guy. I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but there was a close-up on his face, like, with the hood on, and I was like, you you couldn't see the eyes, but you could pretty yeah, much see that's the what they rest do. of the face. And I was like, okay, well, if it, you know... You never see the eyes. ...spoiled it for me, like, cool, we got it, we got it. Palpatine's the... Palpatine's bad dude. It's not um, the most obvious one, I don't think. There's there's one where, like, he get he gets several, like, as Palpatine, no hood, just, like, as Chancellor, when he's alone in his room or with his advisor, where he just draw, he goes full, like, evil face, yeah. says something very evil. Um, I guess you could chalk it up to, like, evil politician bad, but... <laughs> Because they are hitting you, like the, we don't run into a lot of, it's like Padme and Satine and nobody else that are like sort of unambiguously good. Oh, and Bail Organa. But like, even Padme and Satine are sort of having a rough one with their morals. We haven't met Mon Mothma yet, right? If we have, she's been a crowd filler. Okay. I don't think she's, I'm not even sure if she ends up with a speaking role in Clone Wars. No, she definitely does. Mm. We'll find out. Yeah. The, the um, episode I'm thinking of hasn't happened yet. I don't... Yeah. Think. They did a really this good job. The okay. <laughs> they did a really oh, good yeah. job. It's fine. They yeeted that episode to later in the timeline for no reason, so I found it, but it's like three podcast episodes from now. Right. Something I, re- I really like, something I thought they did well with, is is developing or, or showing how strong the relationship between Satine and Obi-Wan is without it constantly just being like, makes love eyes, like heart. I don't know, because I think sometimes with romance clone wars isn't like the best clearly no well because they're only their only romantic couple is married there's no yeah. tension like yeah and it's like clearly the honeymoon period for for anakin and padme like they there's they're not even giving them like married couple problems but yeah no that you it's less about it's less about the fact that obi-wan had a crush on satine as a teenager but you can feel like the solid history between them yeah like yeah. i love I, I love when just people like spar with their words like oh yeah well that yeah that on her ship they're like both being mean to each other and then they have to go fight a spider robot but like that's star wars isn't it <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And well, like, there were some really great lines. Like, she had this line. You know, I don't know. Obi-Wan was like, ah, doesn't this remind you of insert an anecdote from their past? And she was like, yep, I still have the scar. And he was like, I got you out of there safely. And she went, yeah. And then you dropped me. And that's what the scar is from. And I don't know, just that, that was such a good moment of like the showing. It's like just a silly little moment. Like, it's only a couple seconds, but it really shows the history that these people share. And, and it makes it and how so easily harder. it is for them to get back into that group. I with them. know. I know, and and then yeah, Anakin, who like is just waiting to be a shithead, pieces out because he's like, I, I, I'm not gonna get in the way of this. Yeah, and I just feel like, oh, there was so much between them. The when they would, when they were really fighting, like not not play fighting, but like really fighting about how they've changed or how they think the world should be. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Because it was like, this was like height of acting. People who love each other having an argument. Um, and then, and, and then, when, sorry. It's but, kind uh, of impressive to find on like children's action television program. I know. It was so well developed. And then, and then when Obi-Wan was like, if you'd given the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. That is bigger than saying I love you. You know what I mean? Like that is because because it's one thing to love someone. Certainly for Obi Wan. Yeah, and, and but to have and, and like wow, 
It's easy to love, right? Like, I feel like it's so easy to love, but leave the Jedi Order. Obviously, he didn't, but I don't know. I wish yeah, he no, would. This... I, wish, I wish she had said at the end of uh, Duchess of Mandalore, like, leave the Jedi, we'll run away together. And then that was the end of the series, and Obi-Wan's <laughs> a happy life. <laughs> the Clone Wars is over. Yeah, that, the, uh, it's a, it's really, like, I don't know, I, I, I forget how good they do with Obi-Wan. Because I am so used to him as sort of the mentor figure that I forgot how good the, especially the early Satine stuff is. Shocker, she's a recurring character. Yay, I love her. Um, and they're so young. I forget that Obi-Wan is actually also. Yeah, that's true. I always think they designed old. her based off, they designed her based off Kate Blanchett, but they designed her based off young Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Yeah, they're, I mean, Satine might be a little older than Obi-Wan. Uh, we're giving, we're giving Obi-Wan a little bit of a taste for the older ladies, but she's probably like in her early 30s and Obi-Wan is in his late... He's also in his early 30s. She's in her late 30s and he's in his early 30s or something like that. Because I want to say Obi-Wan was like 18 or 19 in Phantom Menace. It varies. I've, I, I can't remember which is canon now. He, he, was either, he was either 19 or 25 in Phantom Menace and I can never remember which. Um, I think they might have let him be 25 at, to show like how young they're making Jedi in the Clone Wars with Anakin and Ahsoka yeah. because yeah. They, changed all the, they changed all the Jedi ages like from from Legends, it used to be that you became a Padawan at 13 in the old stories, but Ahsoka's 14 and explicitly too young. Um, so that got changed. Interesting. I think that's also, I think that's sort of more, it's like, it almost is like more like regular school where like you, you have to graduate Jedi middle school before you can go on to be like yeah. a, and it's more like what you would do, what apprenticeships were like in real life where you would sort of, mm -hmm. you would go learn a trade at 16, except the trade is lightsabering. And pushing things. This yeah, and, and, and thinking real hard. Audio medium, so you should know, listeners, that I'm pushing my hands out and... Just whack the mic. It'll I, make the uh, force noise. Yeah. There was a lot... <laughs> a lot happened, and I liked it all in, the, in these episodes. And that yeah, back... It. The back half of season two is really strong, especially because in broadcast order, after this came Bounty Hunters, I think, and the uh, and the Zillow Zillow Beast, Beast episodes. Oh, and uh, and Cat and Mouse, the very first episode uh -huh. we ever watched. Yeah. Throwback, um, Avril Trench. No, so yeah, I think I think that we are moving on to the finale of uh, season two, the yeah. three part finale. Mm -hmm. This honestly, I was I hadn't. This always slips my mind. There's going to be some Anna stuff in the first episode. I forgot I about love like. Anna stuff it just means clones it's whenever i say anna stuff it's clones no i know i know i, I love me and my and my army of, of children my army of 10 year olds that are mine now not the republics i've decided yeah no and, and adopting all of the clones all of the clones are mine now uh, i'm so glad when some of these clones start like actually becoming recurring characters yeah so you'll know their names because there eventually becomes about a dozen you need to know and the rest yeah. are sort of one-offs voyage of temptation is the second episode where they're on the ship mm -hmm. in that we watched today, the second Mandalore episode, where we find out his history with Satine. But like, but I, I just gotta say, Voyage of Temptation is an all-time episode title. Like that, that's awesome. I love it yeah. when Star Wars is just like Obi Wan is tempted on a long voyage in hyperspace, and it's just him like reminiscing. Yeah. I know, I know. It's yeah. He does some light temptation. flirting. He did light flirting with Ventress. Like it's, no, I just think it's honestly, this was the thing. Actually, sorry, before, quickly before we, we finish. 
everything, his tension with like all of the other characters when he's flirting, it's like explicitly like a sexual nature, you know, uh-huh. like all of Obi-Wan's flirting with like Ventress and even like other um, baddies, I guess. It's always like he does it with Grievous a little bit, even which Grievous. is funny. I, I thought about that because I'm like, he's definitely flirting with him in this in this in this phone call in Grievous Intrigue. And then and then when he talks to Satine, he's like, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little shy. I'm like making jokes that I'm sweet. Does she call him? She calls so him Obi, funny. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're so cute. I love them. I, baby. They're one of my favorite couples in this show. Oh, screw Anakin and Padme. This is yeah, this is a team stand podcast. Yeah, well, Clone I mean, Wars, you know. Anakin and Padme is the best Anakin and Padme, but it's still like the bar is on the floor Whoa, for on the yeah. floor. I mean, we, um, we do love Satine though, or Padme as a person though. Um, Padme is great. Yeah. The uh, relationship though is just far more compelling because it's 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 an alt universe version of Anakin and Padme. Yeah. Basically, like it's a it's it's another it's another side to that coin because Obi-Wan stayed in the Jedi Order and now they have but now they have history. It's like if Anakin had had not married Padme, but Attack of the Clones still happened, like all of that Naboo shenanigans stuff still happened. Then they just had to be co-workers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can't. um, I think that there was a Legends book about um, Satine and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's couple of years on the run. It's never been told. They separately before Clone Wars had Obi-Wan leave the Order. They gave him a very similar trial in an old Legends book where he, like, but it wasn't for a girl. He, like, found a different cause or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in one of the old, uh, it was Jude Watson's books. She wrote all those great uh, middle grade Star Wars books. Calvin, I don't know if you read, like, Jedi Quest. No. Uh, we had them all uh, in the Synergy Library. Though. Yeah, but she wrote all these little great middle grade youth sort of chapter books and I believe that that was where they gave Obi-Wan that story but the the year on Mandalore with Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon and Satine presumably in the midst of whatever upheaval eventually led to the pacifist Mandalorians becoming the planet's government has never been told never say never maybe one day hey Disney do you want to write this book please or like do a comic cast me or I'll play Satine. You're doing so many series. You could do this. You could do this. Anyway, anyway, I digress. So what are, what are Calvin, what, what are we doing next week? Next week on uh, First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, we are watching the three-part uh, season two finale, Death Trap, R2 Come Home, and Lethal Trackdown. R2 Come Home is an all-timer episode title. Then we're going to skip a little bit further into season three with Corruption, the Academy, and the Assassin, getting some... Oh yeah, we're going right back to Mandalore. We are. In real time, there was like there was like twelve episodes between this, but uh, we're going right back there. Excellent. And a you know summer break too. Yeah, that's true. Yep. And then we are ending that ep- our podcast episode with the Arc Troopers episode, episode three hundred two. So Woo. that's gonna be fun. Excited for that. All right, all Thank of you, you stay safe, listening. stay stealthy, stay safe, and stay stealthy. I waved. See ya. <laughs> Swag. Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can stream us on any of the major podcast handles, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks a lot.